I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hope you're having a great week, everyone. Thank you for spending part of it with us. Welcome to Rams All Access. My name is JB Long with DeMarco Farr and Maurice Jones-Drew. It is week 15. The Rams are at SoFi Stadium. Only time all season they'll play back-to-back regular season games in Inglewood. The winless New York Jets are in town. Before we get there, let's check in with the guys. DeMarco, how you doing, my friend? I am good, man. Hanging in there. Can't wait for game day. Adulting is no fun. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you've had a, a few things pop up on your radar this week, I hear. All that stuff that I didn't have to worry about as a player. Yes, uh, you know, paying bills, car, car trouble, all that stuff. Yeah, this is stuff I actually have to do now, JB. It's not very much fun. Well, hey, in terms of uh, the sunny side, plug the podcast. I hear you have a cool guest coming up. We did. Uh, today, we just recorded with Kevin Carter, old number 93, 104 and a half sacks, 62 and a half uh, in a Rams uniform. Uh, the best player I ever played with. And I told him this on the podcast. I can't say he's the best player I ever saw because I watch Aaron Donald uh, game in and game out. So he's the best player I ever played with on the defensive line. He is funny. You're going to love it. It's great. Uh, it's rare when your heroes are younger than you, and he's one of them. <laughs> well, I think that applies to my friend Maurice Jones-Drew as well. Maurice, you're younger than I am, I'm afraid. I am younger, but, uh, you know, I the holidays have kind of got me. I don't, I don't know about <laughs> you guys, but the, the shopping is what gets me right now, so. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. How many kids down? How many to go? Oh, we're all, we're, we're, we're good to go, but it, it was, it's been a stressful week or two. Just trying to. Demarco, you know, how about your daughters? Have you, uh, Demarco? You have everything you need, uh, shopping wise. The, the, the teenager is easy. Yeah, uh, they just want money. Uh, the five-year-old, mm-hmm. um, she has been updating her list daily. I take that back. Hourly. My goodness. <laughs> Approach this year. Believe me, there's still going to be presents under the tree because it's there's no way around that. But after 10, 11 months of this, whatever we've been doing. I mean, we've been gifting things as necessary to get mom and dad through the days and the weeks and the months. So there's been there's been Christmas in September. There's been Christmas in October. You know where I'm going with this, right? Oh, it's yeah. It's a day-to-day <laughs> existence. <laughs> Thank God. Well, uh, perhaps, our, perhaps our audience can tell based on the, uh, the direction we've taken so far that this is not the most intriguing matchup of the season, is it, gentlemen? The New York Jets and the Rams. No, not at all. I think uh, it, it is, but it isn't. I think uh, they have a couple pieces that you have to worry about, but for the most part, this is a you know on paper you should dominate this game. Uh, but it, this is less about the Jets, I think, and more about the Rams. If you want to be, if you want to be considered a championship team, and Demarco, you've been on those. These are the kind of games where you handle your business. Like there, there should, there's, we don't need to be motivated. We don't need to talk. We need to come out here and execute our game plan to the best of our ability and play lights out. And, and then that'll show the world that, you know, the, at least the NFL world, that, hey, the Rams are serious. Now, if you come out here and lay a dud, they're going to be like, oh, they, you know, they're kind of, you know, riding high. But you hope that uh, they go out there and play well. 
You know, I, look, um, I'm with you guys. I, I think New York is a is a flawed football team. They're not very good. Uh, they have some talents, but it's uh, on the defensive side. They have some guys that you would like on your football team. On the offensive side, I think they have severely overestimated their talent and their ability. They're they're asking their guys to do stuff they can't do. And uh, the sad part about it is they put Sam Darnold in bad situations, and I think he's going to pay a heavy price. But like Maurice said, this is about – the Rams. So I'm confident in Sean McVay. I'm confident in this group that they will take care of business, that the proverbial trap game will not happen. But I'll say this, this is the week where I think, and I, I know this personally, this is the me, the week where I miss Andrew Whitworth because he's the veteran. He's the guy that can warn you against trap games. He's the guy that could stop you from, from joking around a little too much in the meeting rooms because you have the Jets. Uh, this is the guy that will help you focus and respect the New York Jets and do what you need to do. Like you said, uh, you, you have a superior defense, you're a playoff football team, and the Jets aren't. So uh, one of the rules in professional football is you keep losing teams losing. So a guy like Andrew Whitworth, his, his presence in the locker room is going to be missed. But I, I do. I have full confidence. I think there's good leadership on this football team. I think the Rams will treat the Jets with the ultimate amount of respect and absolutely wipe the floor with them like they should. There are some peripherals if you need uh, kind of extraneous motivation. I think most of our audience is tapped into what those are. A win on Sunday would guarantee a playoff spot, which is extremely probable. You know, even as we talk here on Thursday evening, it would also set you up to go to Seattle next week and play for the division crown. And I wonder if from your perspective, you're OK with phrasing this as kind of the playing game to get to that NFC West championship. Like, are you OK using the Seattle Seahawks as a motivator to beat the New York Jets? Absolutely. It's the Seahawks. It's Pete Carroll. It's Russell Wilson. It's a rivalry. So, yeah, when you can set up a showdown with them, think about it this way. I mean, a lot of people would, oh, let's avoid the Seahawks. They're they're good. They have Russell Wilson. Well, if you're a competitor, this is the game you want. You want it to be for all the marbles up there because once you beat them, you could set them back for five years. You could break their back uh, mentally. So, absolutely, treat the Jets as a play-in game or a playoff contender uh, show the world what you're about and then move on to Seattle and do the same to them. All, it's all about building confidence as you go because uh, the team that wins the Lombardi is the best team in football guaranteed, but it's also the most mentally strong club of that year. So this is all building blocks to get to where you want to go. So yeah, absolutely treat this as a playing game. Well, DeMarco, you said you, you talked about respect and it reminds me of when I was in high school and, you know, we were winning games and playing. Our coach used to always tell us, like, we respect our opponent. And, and I never understood that until I got to the NFL level. Respect is beating the brakes off your opponent. If you can. absolutely because that means you, <laughs> you prepared for them like they were a, like it was a Super Bowl. You did all the things right. You practiced hard every week. You went out and you executed your game plan with energy and effort as if it meant something to you. And and when you respect, you have to like when you go out there, you have to respect the Jets because they're an NFL team. And like we've seen in the past, if you come out and you turn the ball over early or you let a team like that that's beat up and not playing well hang around, all of a sudden they get a little confidence and they start playing. And it, it reminds me of them playing the, the Raiders in, in New York. The, the Raiders had an opportunity to close the door, and they didn't. And guess what? They, they came back, and obviously at the end of the game, you had the Greg Williams zero call and all those things. But this team is good enough to score points if you allow them to hang around. And so it's important to respect them. And, and less about what you're going to do with Seattle – 
But if you're mentally tough enough to respect an Owen, what is there? What are they? Owen 14, Owen 13 right now? 13. Winless. Yeah. You're winless, right? <laughs> if you can respect them, imagine the respect that you're going to give to the Seattle Seahawks and to the other teams in the playoffs. This may be the game, and, and I, I may be stepping out of turn here, but this may be the game of how they play can tell you how they're going to play throughout the playoffs. Why do you say that? Well, if you go out there and you, you know, put up 40 like the Seahawks did and you beat them 40 to three, you know, your team is mentally tough enough to handle a lot of things. It's the, the hardest part is to know you're a good team and, and go and play a team that's not so good and, and not go out there and play your best. Well, that, that's one I, we, of the, the most mentally tough things that you have to do. We saw it with Baltimore when Lamar Jackson came to town. This is when Baltimore was far and away the favorite in the AFC. Uh, when they beat the Rams, and let's not talk about the scheme uh, that the Rams defense tried to use, just how good Baltimore was that day. Because the one thing I did notice from the sideline guys was it didn't matter who was out there. Mm-hmm. They didn't even know the Rams were out there. It was all just about Baltimore. Uh, they were just trying to outdo each other, forget the opponent. So I agree, man, whoever you line up against, if you get that same sort of mentality, you are headed places as a football team. He's DeMarco Farr with Maurice Jones-Drew. I'm J.B. Long. It's a week 15 edition of Rams All Access previewing Jets and the Los Angeles Rams at SoFi Stadium. We'll have four down territory with the latest uh, from Jets camp coming up. We'll also take a look around the division and the NFC. Are the Rams also playing for a higher seed? Can they get to two? Could they get to one, depending on what New Orleans and Green Bay do down the stretch? Those are questions we'll ask before we're done. But I do want to circle back. It's been a week since the Rams beat the New England Patriots in prime time, so I don't want to spend a ton of time on it, but I do want to ask each of you what your carry forward is from that win. How did it reframe your thinking for this Rams season based off what they did to Bill Belichick and Cam Newton and the Patriots? Well, for me, it it, it, it answered a, a big question that I think we've all had throughout the course of Sean McVay's tenure in, in, in Los Angeles is, can you beat a physical team? Now, you, we saw the, the Rams go to Chicago and lose. We've seen the Rams uh, lose to the Niners in a physical form. We've seen the Rams lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers in a physical matchup. And so for me, throughout the course of this season, the Dolphins were more physical. The Buffalo Bills were more physical. Uh, and the Niners were more physical. So this was a matchup where I was like, in my mind, it was about special teams. Can your special teams match what the Patriots bring? And then also, can you match the physicality of, of an AFC, you know, a team, an AFC East team? And so to see them go out there and physically beat the New England Patriots and, the, and you, you know, there's the footage of Bill Belichick going to Sean McVay saying you guys whooped us and you had a great game plan. You executed it well. It was less about that. It was more about a mentality of we're just going to go out there and whip these dudes at their game, being more physical. We're going to run the ball down their throat. We're going to shut, shut down the run. We're going to hit with the intent to remove the ball from the ball carrier. Those were the different types of things that I, that really, you know, when you go back and you look at that matchup, less about the score, it was the intent that we saw. And and it reminds me of when Brandon Staley uh, said to his defense that we have to be a more aggressive defense tackling wise. And we saw that uh, in, in against the Patriots, which was huge. Uh, I, I saw a couple of things. I mean, one, uh, this is a, a macro. I, I think Cam Newton may be done as a starter um, at some point, but that's that's their problem, not ours. What I saw out of the Rams was, and we've heard this before, we not me. And this is the first time where I thought we not me applies to the coaching staff as well, especially Sean McVay. 
we had been saying for weeks, uh, for a month, maybe a little bit more, that this might be a defensive-led football team, and there was a little bit of uh, kind of a battle going on there, the offense trying to reestablish dominance on this football team. But what I saw the last couple of weeks was Sean McVay lean into it. And when you run the ball more than you throw it, I think, what, what do they have, 36 rush attempts to 25 pass attempts? I mean, that's a coach that understands – his team's identity. And I think they're finding out and figuring out who they are at the right time. So, and I thought the physical matchup against the Patriots uh, was going to be huge. And the Patriots had, had out hit uh, pretty much everybody they played to get those six wins, but the Rams were the more physical football team. They were the faster football team. They were uh, the fastest to their technique and the fastest through the point of attack. I think the, the guy that uh, kind of carried the load was Cam Akers. I think he, kind of got the notoriety for what the offensive line was doing. So I saw a very physical football team in December, which is what you want, uh, you know, moving into the playoffs. So I saw a team that had found themselves and and kind of righted some wrongs against the Patriots and, you know, got that Bill Belichick stain, you know, off the, the garment and they're able to move on, spiritually move on to become a, a great football team. Yeah, I'll just tack on to that. We asked McVeigh about whether or not this is the most physical team. And he said through 13 games, there's not much question in his mind of the four Rams teams he's had. And that bodes well to both of your points about what's ahead for this group. And, and the other thing about buy-in and, and we, not me, when you look at all the different role players, uh, what they were asked to do and the way that they did it uh, in that contest, leading the way for a 171-yard rushing game for Cam Akers, um, I think there's a ton of evidence of that. When you see Kenny Young going 79 yards on the pick six, and it's the two superstars of his defense, Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, leading the way to the end zone. You know, I see in prime time a lot of what we've been hearing, right, which is that this might be the most connected group we've covered in Los Angeles. Could be. Uh, uh, old Coach McVay got a little testy when we talked about, you know, Jalen and uh... – and Aaron Donald outrunning him on the sideline. <laughs> Didn't he? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, they ate up his cushion in like three steps. And I, I don't think he was happy about it. But, yeah, man, I mean, you know, I, seeing Jalen and, and AD uh, kind of carry Ken, uh, Kenny into the end zone, it reminded me way back when we started this run with McVeigh. the first time we saw Andrew Wentworth sprint the, the, the length of the field to chase down a guy. Remember that? And how yes. inspiring it was, that was the same yep. feeling I got watching those two guys, your stars, you know, escort a guy into the end zone. I mean, they're playing together. Uh, the fact that they got the ball out and it's being returned for a touchdown is huge, but look who's out in front. So, I mean, there are no excuses when your best players are doing effort plays as well. Yeah, I, I would add on and just say this. That may be the play of the season. And just for the team purpose, because if you are a we, not me, that is a great example of it, your your two highest paid players uh, on your roster. Correct me if I'm wrong. If not, uh, definitely on your defense are out there leading the way in the your, league, you know, Maurice. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I mean. Just and that's what I'm saying. Like, not only yeah. do you get pressure, but all of a sudden you have an interception. These two dudes are turning around, leading the way for them, and the excitement that they had when they scored. Like that is a play that you show down the stretch like if you're you know you make it to whatever it may be and there's the highlight reel that you're showing before the game or whatnot that is the play that i'm going to sing on and say look this is what we're looking for right not only are these two dudes blitzing and trying to get to the quarterback they turn around and recognize the interception and they lead another guy into the end zone and so uh those are the little things that you can do and and to kind of spin it forward to the jets you're going to need that here uh on sunday you're going to need that type of 
effort and intensity on Sunday. You're going to have to bring your own energy on Sunday because you can't expect the other team to bring it. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I mean, you're going to expect guys to lead other guys into the end zone because I think they're going to get the ball out a lot versus this Jets offense. I really do. I don't see how they run the ball. And I love Frank Gore, but I don't see how they run the ball effectively long enough to keep the pressure off Sam Darnold. I think this turns into a turkey shoot by halftime. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Well, let's pick up the conversation there when we continue. We'll talk about what Frank Gore has meant to this game, his place in history. We'll let Maurice Jones-Drew uh, comment on why Gore's still going and he isn't. Just kidding, Maurice. We're not really going to press you on that point. But we can talk about it if you want. Um, and then the other thing I, I kind of want to touch on here is based on our kind of elevated expectations of the Rams now. And these are internal and external, I think. I had a thought about, okay, well, do you want to go into the postseason with a thought of a quarterback trying not to lose it for us? Can you get to where you want to go? And it turns out recent Super Bowl history says, yeah, absolutely you can. But are we resigned to that? with respect to Jared Goff and this Sean McVay offense. Those questions when we continue on Rams All Access on 710 ESPN. Jared Goff and the Los Angeles Rams home at SoFi Stadium this week, playing host to the winless New York Jets. If they get this game, they will go to Seattle for a rematch with the Seahawks and a chance to clinch the NFC West. We welcome back Maurice Jones-Drew and DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long. What would you make of Jared Goff's... uh, five-day stretch coming off that loss against San Francisco. He beat the Cardinals, uh, spreading it all over the yard using nine different targets, and then he was willing to turn around and hand it off to Cam Akers and let his offensive line and his uh, lead blockers do the work against the Patriots. Where are we on QB1 going into this home stretch? Well, you know, with with Jared, man, um, look, I I think we've – We've seen several different versions of this offense, one where it's all on him, one where they're balanced, and now one where he's being led by, by the rushing attack. So um, I, I think as long as Jared comes to play and as long as the offensive line protects and gives him time and Sean McVay is on his A game, I think either philosophy is going to work for you. I think Jared Goff is good enough to win. Like he's what well, he's got 41 wins inside of four years. I mean, that's nothing to sneeze at, but – I like this Jared Goff. I kind of like this Jared Goff doing the John Elway with Terrell Davis as a running back kind of impersonation. I'll throw it when I have to, and I'll be accurate on third down to pick up the first down to keep my offense on the field so I can hand it to this young young running back again three or four times. So I like that sort of Jared Goff. I like that sort of football team. But, you know, at some point I think this game will – it'll fall onto Jared's shoulders and he's going to have to be accurate. He's going to be have to be accurate from the pocket or he's going to have to be more mobile within the pocket. So uh, I still think that there's more there. The ceiling is still high for Jared Goff and he hasn't reached his potential just yet, but where he is now, the last five, five days, the last two games, I like that bubble that he's been in. 
uh, let's attack with the running game. Let's attack being physical and we'll throw behind it and be safe and smart with the football. If we can't pick up a first down or we can't score, great. We've got an all-world punter and an all-universe defense. We can still win that way. I don't have to throw uh, a touchdown pass per drive to win the game here. All I have to do is not turn it over. So I like that version of Jared Goff. Yeah, for me, it, um, the, 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 throughout the course of his career, things have changed, right? Um, and there's always ebb and flows with with NFL teams and, and throughout the course of the season. There's always different things. We've seen it where the Rams were an offensively, offensively led team and you, you make a run to the playoffs and you get knocked out by the Falcons and the next year you come back and it's, it's kind of an offensive led team until late in the year the defense starts picking it up and you kind of start leaning on your defense a little bit and the offense is needed in spurts. For me this year, I, I'm just looking for consistency. I don't need Jared to be uh, Patrick Mahomes or or you know Tom Brady. I, we, you don't need that because you have arguably the best defense in football right now uh, on the other side. You just need to play the game, play within your game. And and what I mean by that is you don't have to force the ball into double coverage. A check down is just fine. You don't have to be. You don't have to make that throw that is a little dicey. You don't have to do that because your defense is so great. And and to me, it's sometimes it, it's um, I don't want to say it's an ego thing, but as a as a as a as an NFL player, as an NFL, a professional athlete, in your mind, you always tell yourself you're the best. You're the best. You can do everything. Well, this is an opportunity for Jared just to sit back and say, hey. I'm going to do what's best for the team. I'm, I'm not going to force this ball into double coverage. I'm going to throw this out route, not at the, the feet of my receiver, right, or wherever. I may throw this one out of bounds or outside, so if he catches it, he has a toe tap. But I want to make sure I don't put my defense in any type of in, in harm's way because of how good they've played. And not only how good they've played, they've scored as well. And so you have a defense now who can stop pretty much anybody and matches up well with a lot of great teams but also can take the ball away and score. And so you don't want to put yourself similar to that Niners game where you're forcing the ball into coverage and you're holding the ball, trying to make the perfect throw. You don't want to do those things. If it's not open, if the first or second read is not open, consistency tells me get to my check down and let's move on to the next play. And that's what I'm talking about, being consistent. Don't You don't have to be you know, this superhero anymore because of how great this team is around you. Just continue to do your job and allow everyone else's play to just continue to get better. You know what it makes me think of is on this network earlier this week, I heard Keyshawn Johnson compare where the Rams are right now to his Super Bowl winning Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. And if you remember those 2002 Bucks, they were defensive driven. They had Brad Johnson at quarterback trying to trying to kind of just do the just enough to not mess it up routine. And then they kind of clicked and they got hot down the stretch and in the postseason in particular, he said. And and he sees a lot of parallels right now to the Los Angeles Rams. Is is that an apt comparison, Jared Goff to Brad Johnson? I no. like it, uh, except Jared's been to the Pro Bowl, and I think Jared is <laughs> exactly. better is a better quarterback than Brad Johnson. But I see where he's going. Like you said, I mean, uh, I played those teams that Keyshawn was on. I played them that very same team on Monday night. Uh, I played them the year before when he wasn't there. But the last thing you thought about when you played Tampa Bay back then was the quarterback. Uh, you thought about Allstott. You thought about Warwick Dunn. You thought about Warren Sapp. You thought about that defense, Derek Brooks. Uh, and you thought about Dungy on the other side really pinning you deep. And 
you know, keeping you backed up all day long. He was a strategist at that, and he was great at doing it. So the last thing that you worried about or thought about was that quarterback. But I don't think you'll ever get there with the number one pick in the draft. That's just Jared Goff. His profile is too high. But uh, when you talk about playing football offensively, absolutely you can. Uh, Aaron Donald makes plays. Jalen Ramsey makes plays. Cam Akers is pacing the offense. Uh, your, your tight ends come up big on first down. Uh, your receivers uh, in Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, they keep making big plays and their feet never leave the ground. It's one of those offenses where they function more like two number twos than one number one and a number two. And they're great at it and they're physical and it's yards after catch. The last thing that you can think about while losing to the Rams is the fact that you just lost to Jared Goff again. So I see where he's coming from. As long as you lean into that, and Maurice, you hit it. Uh, it's not about Jared Goff taking chances with the football. That's A. B is it's, a, it's about the play calling coming in from the sidelines that you don't put him in those bad situations and call those sort of routes that, that, that are high risk, that could turn the ball over. Because uh, the last thing you want with a defense like you have right now is to tax it by, turn it by turning the ball over, being too aggressive, and putting them on the field too much to where – attrition sets in and they start to wear down so as long as you lean into what your team's identity is defensive led I, and and forget about Jared Goff being on the front page of the Wheaties box or being on the cover of the Wheaties box and just winning football games I I think you can be very very successful like those Tampa clubs you know, I just want to see him outplay his counterpart and you know it's funny how we compare quarterbacks so often in the National Football League even though they never face each other right they play the opposing defense but if if you look at what Jared has done well throughout his career and again this season on game day he's often been better than people with higher reputations um, and this is another example I mean he beat Dak in the Cowboys he beat Wentz in the Eagles early in this season uh, you look at more recently, he just beat Cam Newton in the Patriots. He beat Kyler Murray in the Cardinals. He beat Tom Brady in the Buccaneers on Monday Night Football, and he certainly has beaten Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, who are still ahead. So, you know, all I'm really asking for, I think, from the quarterback right now is be better than Darnold, be better than Wilson, be better than Kyler, and you're going to run the table in this thing, and you're going to be West champions, we hope, and you might even be the one of the two seed. I just I just want Jared to be the best Jared he can be, right? I don't want you to look to the other side because you start that's when you start to press. I I personally feel like. Um, yeah, I don't want. Let me clarify. I don't want him comparing himself to the opposing quarterback. And I and I think what you guys are saying is even redefining how you outplay your counterpart. Yeah, right? that doesn't mean well, sling it right. all over the yard and try and try and pile up more yards. It's it's play smarter play sharper, play within your game plan better than your counterpart is. Like, look, Russell Wilson, when he came to SoFi Stadium, he still had some brilliant moments. But within the, the construct of his game plan, he did not orchestrate it as well as Jared Goff. And all. so that's what I mean in, the, in these final three yeah. games and however deep the Rams are fortunate enough to go in the playoffs, outplay your counterpart in that regard. Well, see, now here's the thing. You did beat Dak. You, you did beat uh, Tom Brady, but you lost to Garoppolo and Nick Mullins. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Yeah, I do. And, and this and this is the only thing I would say is, uh, and I agree with you guys 100%, just execute the offense better than the other guy. I could care less about the numbers. There is no comparison on game day. But you execute your game plan better than him, and you'll give your team a chance to win. Maurice, we promised uh, a little Frank Gore talk here. He's uh, he's third all time uh, in rushing in the National Football League. I know he's catching not he, but Gase is catching some heat for still using him as the lead back, even though he hasn't been as effective as someone like, you know, jo uh, Ty Johnson in recent weeks, for instance. But 
Look, this may be the last time I see we see Frank Gore in a professional uniform. His 240th career game, um, just given where you are as his peer in this league and, and what you accomplished in the National Football League, can you give us a Frank Gore summation in terms oh. of uh, his home stretch? Listen, um, I, I am, first of all, the RB position may be one of the most brutal positions in, in football. And to see Frank continue to play, um, not at the level that we saw him play at when he was with the Niners, um, not at the level that we saw him play when he was even with the Buffalo Bills uh, a couple years ago. But the thing about Frank Gore that the reason he's playing is because he's going to outwork those other kids. He's going to outwork those other guys. And, yes, they may be a little bit more talented, younger, but they don't put in the work and they don't have that will to win. Frank is chasing a championship. And I remember we would train together in Miami, and we would, in the dog days of the summer, hot as I don't know what, in the middle of the day we'd be going after it. And, you know, I'm a realist. I know I need rest and recovery and relaxation. I would take the, the evenings off. Frank would go out and box and do other workouts. And so he pushes himself to the limit every day. And it's sometimes you have to, and, and I, again, there's a lot of things I don't agree with at with Adam Gase is doing there with the jets. But one thing I do agree with is that he's showing these dudes. The reason he's playing is because he's working and he's been in this league for, I want this is 16th season now. Um, he's been in this league a long time because of how he works and how he prepares for the game. And you know, that is something that maybe that is, you know, the Jets can see that and, and use that going forward. But to see him still playing, to see him still out there competing, blocking, he's doing everything. It's not, he's just not getting the ball. I mean, he's getting the ball sometimes, but he's in there in pass protection. He's in there, you know, chipping guys and doing all those things. It, it, it's amazing to see him still play. And I, I can't wait to watch him again. I haven't seen Frank in a long time, but I can't wait to, to watch him again and watch him go to work. Watching that Seahawks game last week, I almost fell out of my, my chair when I heard the broadcast say that he's the only active Jet who's made a Pro Bowl. He's made five of them, <laughs> but the rest of the roster doesn't have anyone with so much as a Pro Bowl. I mean, right. e even Flacco, right? Like, Flacco is Sam Darnold's backup. He's been a Super Bowl MVP, but has never been to the Pro Bowl. Well. You know, it's crazy uh, looking at their numbers like this. I would say, guys, ask me how good the Jets offense is in goal-to-go situations. I'll give you an answer. I don't know. They've only been down there 10 times all year. You see what I'm you – know, this is just a bad offense that uh, I don't get the plan. Um, I, I don't think they have the personnel to fit with what they want to do. And I'm inspired watching Frank Gore play football. It's not like Larry Fitzgerald, and I'm not taking anything away from Fitz, but this is not – stand out at slot and we'll throw you a couple of screens to keep your, you know, catches per your game alive. Going. Frank Gore. Yeah. Frank Gore is a running back in the national football league. He's got a job and he does it and they try to lead with him and he's still good at it. But uh, eventually, like you said, you, you've got some receivers that are unreliable. You've got a 37 year old running back and an offensive line that's not built to do what you want them to do. And they're banged up. So uh, even with Frank Gore at, in his prime, I, I still think this offense uh, wouldn't be, as effective as it could be. Uh, it just, it seems like the plan and the players are all out of whack. All right. That's the opponent. The Rams have to beat or tie to clinch a playoff spot and give themselves a chance to claim the NFC West next week in Seattle. Next on Rams all access, it's four down territory. We'll go inside New York jets territory where it's snowy to get the latest as they prepare for another West coast trip. 
If there's a reason to believe they can upset the Rams, what might that be? Plus, what does the future of former USC Trojan Sam Darnold hold? We'll ask Rich Chimini next on Four Down Territory. This is Rams All Access on 710 ESPN. Welcome back to Rams All Access. Time for our weekly segment, Four Down Territory, our trip inside opponent's territory. And we are pleased to have Rich Chimini with us, who covers the Jets for ESPN's NFL Nation. All right, as we come down the home stretch, the Jets are still winless, and I know the uh, focus is Lawrence and whether or not they'll get the number one pick. But in terms of the matchup this weekend, Rich, is there any reason to believe the Jets are still invested in winning this game and upsetting the Rams? Uh, well, I, you know, I think they're invested, but I don't see any way possible that that could happen. I mean, you're talking about the number one defense in the league and the Rams facing the 32nd ranked offense. I mean, the Jets haven't, uh, they're putting up some historically bad numbers on offense. They struggle against mediocre defenses. So I, I cannot imagine what it will look like against Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and company. Hmm. If you were to peer into your crystal ball, Rich, what do you think the future holds for Sam Darnold? And what I mean is where will he be playing next year and what might the Jets be able to get in return for him? Yeah, it's unfortunate for Sam. Uh, things just haven't gone well uh, with him this year, or, or even last year for that matter. So I do think they'll trade him. And, uh, I mean, under ordinary circumstances, I think they'd like to have him back. But the Jets, are these are not ordinary circumstances. They're probably going to have the first pick in the draft. And, oh, by the way, you know, there's a quarterback probably in the draft who's the best one to come down the pike in the last 10 years in Trevor Lawrence. So the Jets will have no choice but to draft him and trade Sam. And I do think there'll be a few teams interested, perhaps even out on your coast, uh, San Francisco. Uh, I think possibly even Denver, uh, Indianapolis, teams like that might be interested. And I think the Jets, I, I think from talking to people around the league, something like a two and a five might be realistic for, for Sam. Rich Tamini is our guest. He covers the Jets for ESPN's NFL Nation, previewing week 15 at SoFi Stadium. Rich, I know you're snowed in back there in New York and on the East Coast. Sorry you can't be out uh, here with us to see the new stadium in Inglewood, but hopefully uh, for a game down the road. How about next at, at head coach for the Jets? Obviously, they're going to make a change, and it seems from the outside looking in that despite the record, there's a lot to like about what that new coach might inherit aside from the number one pick. Are there selling points within this roster right now that would appeal to the next coach of the New York Jets? Well, you just hit on the number one uh, reason why it's so attractive is the number one pick. That's number one. Uh, the roster is bad. I mean, you don't lose this many games in a row by accident. It's a bad roster. And I, I think I could probably count five or six players that you'd want to keep around and build around. So there's, there's not many. I, they'll probably get shut out of the Pro Bowl this year. They do. I'd say their two most promising building blocks are left tackle Mackay Becton, the rookie, their first-round pick, has had a very good year. He looks to me like he's going to be a big-time player for a long time. And their defensive tackle, Quinnen Williams, who was their number one pick last year, who has really improved a lot this year. He looked like he was you know, getting close to the bust, bust category last year but uh, has improved, especially against the run. He's a better pass rusher than last year. He's a definite building block. But beyond those two players, you know, then you're talking, you know, Denzel Mims, a rookie wide receiver, a second-round pick they got out of Baylor this year. He shows some promise. 
wouldn't call him a blue chipper or anything. But so yeah, it's it's slim pickings. I mean, it's it's really going to take a massive uh, effort to rebuild this roster. And the last thing, Rich, I know it's a strange note to finish on, but place kicker has been an issue among many for the Jets, including last week in Seattle. Sam Ficken used to be a Ram, so he's a familiar name. Will he be uh, kicking at SoFi Stadium this weekend, or do you have a sense for where they're going to go on special teams? I do think it'll be Sam Ficken on Sunday. Uh, He's coming back from the injured reserve. He's practicing, from what I understand, he's practicing well uh, after missing three games with a groin injury. He was actually having a pretty decent year for the Jets. That that was probably on the list of concerns. That was the bottom of the list of concerns for the Jets. But uh, then he got hurt, and then they went to Sergio Castillo, who who had one promising game, and then things just really spiraled last week in Seattle. He missed three field goals in the second quarter alone, first time in 10 years that a Jet kicker missed three in a game, and so they replaced him. But they brought him back to the practice squad, so it's really weird. The Jets have three kickers on their roster and practice squad. Now they also picked up Chase McLaughlin on waivers. So they have three kickers. Um, You know what they say, when you have more than one kicker, you really don't have any. I think that's what they say. Hmm. But I do expect Sam Sicken to be the guy on Sunday. Rams have been on that kicking carousel this year as well. We know the story. Well, Rich, uh, I know you got uh, some more snow to shovel probably in your future. Thank you for taking some of your day uh, to give us a preview of Rams and Jets at SoFi Stadium. You bet. My pleasure. All right. Our thanks to Rich. And we continue with Maurice Jones-Drew and DeMarco Farr. You know, I don't know if you guys ever watch uh, NFL Game Pass, but it has these nice filters where, you know, I find them very helpful for study. And I can look at all of the touchdown catches for Brashad Perriman, or I can look at, you know, all of the big plays from someone like Sam Darnold. And, and in doing so, guys, you can also filter out all of the mistakes. So a lot of this week has been spent watching Sam Darnold's best And I'll tell you what, when you take away the sacks, the incompletions, the turnovers, the interceptions, it looks pretty daunting. He can really get get it downfield. But I I realize that's not the reality, and and Rich (laughs) just touched on it uh, pretty thoroughly there. We know that his time in New York is coming to an end. Yeah, I was going to say, which tape is longer, the good plays or the bad? <laughs> no, it's it's tough to see someone who who played in in this town and and was a great USC Trojan uh, in in these waters. I mean, he he's defeated. Uh, everyone in his fan base is clearly looking for you know to a different quarterback, to a college quarterback to build around in the future. Um, and he's playing out the thread right now. Well, look, man, I, I never wish ill on another guy, but I'd be really surprised if Sam Darnold finishes this game because I think this will be punishing for him. I think AD and this D-line, they're going to a different level, and this offensive line doesn't have enough. They really don't in key areas. At guard, I think they're average at best. I think uh, Becton is their best, and he's at left tackle, and I think he's very beatable. So when the running game goes and Sean McVay – does what I think he's going to do to a Frank Bush-led defense who just lost their coordinator in Greg Williams. Uh, I think they have a chance to roll up 500 yards on him. Uh, when the score gets lopsided, it's like I said, it's going to become, you know, go after Sam Darnold day. I'd be surprised if he finished. But, yeah, I think the kid's good when he gets time, but I don't think he's, he's, he's shown enough or they have shown enough and have enough around him to really accentuate what he does best. And I think it really underscores what he does the worst which is turn the ball over so when he plays hero ball he puts himself and the team at risk and nine times out of ten it goes bad for the Jets and I I see the same thing happening 
Yeah, I, I, let me say this. I've been hard on Sam Darnold um, a ton, but he hasn't had a lot of help. Um, at SC, you know, he turned the ball over, but it wasn't, you know, he just ha- didn't have that offensive mind to, like, guide him and help him get better, if that makes sense. Uh, you go to the Jets, and you're supposed to go to this quarterback guru, and that doesn't work, right? That's not even the case. Uh, and so they don't put anyone around you. They don't build the offensive line. Like, it's just it was just a mess. And so it may be a fresh start for him, maybe better, depending on where he wants to go. And, and obviously listening to that, you know, I, I don't know if he's worth a second and a five. Because what was Rosen worth? And he didn't – he played a year. What, what did uh, the Dolphins give the Cardinals for Rosen a second? I'm looking uh... – 62nd overall pick. Wow. Yeah, so a late See, second, so yeah, early late, third. Late so I'm, second I, and, round and a fifth. So that, that, is, Darnold, that is a good yeah. comparison. Sam but Darnold think about a good that. football team, I think it'd be really, really good. It's just he's he's not right now. Well, and I, and really I also shows, think he needs yeah. to be coached. I think he needs to be coached by an offensive guy that can help him get some of his flaws out because he throws, he does what we call on the offensive side the worst interceptions, late to the flat, right? A high over the middle. Those are the worst interceptions because those are things that you can control, right? If you're if you're looking and you go to your check down late to the flat, that's gonna get picked off every time. <laughs> like yeah, the, that is not there to be thrown late. If you're throwing the ball over the middle and you throw it high and the ball gets tipped up, guess what? That is there's too many guys in the middle of the field for it not to get um, intercepted. So those are the the turnovers that you see that he can be coached out of. Um, but it also comes back. There's no one else around them. They they just now getting uh, Sims back or Mims um, from Baylor, who, who was their draft pick, and then uh, Perriman was a first rounder for Baltimore that really didn't pan out. And he's all speed and he's kind of bounced around as a journeyman. You have your slot receiver, uh, the kid out of Miami. Um, Braxton, Braxton Barrios, right? Barrios, like, yeah. Yeah, those are, but those are just, they're not, there's no brand name. You had Jamison Crowder. He does Crowder, more complaining than catching. <laughs> but that's what, like, Jamison Crowder's your, your go-to guy, and no disrespect yeah. to him, but he was a, a he was a guy that pick. got, that left the, the, the football team, right? So, yeah. you don't, you haven't put enough weapons around him to protect him, to show him that it, what he can be, but he also hasn't helped himself by making some of those horrible decisions as well. So, you, um, yeah. At the end of the day, if you're the Jets, you're going to say, look, we're looking forward, but you're going to hope that you can get a second and a five for him, right? I don't know where he would go or how it would pan out, but you, you just want – and like DeMarco said, you never wish ill on one. You just want people to be put in a situation where they can be successful. And right no now, doubt. the Jets are in a successful place for Sam Darnold and a lot of other guys on that roster. You, you know who's the best protection for Sam Darnold right now? His agent. <laughs> get <laughs> him out of there the huh? phone. yeah start working the phones now well he brings a uh, a Jets offense that has really only done one thing well and it's score on their opening drive mm-hmm. seven consecutive games they've scored on their first drive unfortunately for them those three points they got last week in Seattle were the only points they got last week in Seattle they only had 185 yards last week a season low and in the second half 16 plays for 20 yards. I mean, it wow. it almost feels too good to be true for the Rams to have the mini bye week coming off of Thursday night football and then this opponent at home at SoFi Stadium going into Seattle, who, oh, by the way, we're going to talk about this coming up, faces a Washington football team mm-hmm. and, and an NFC East that's recharged a little bit here in the second half of the season. Wow. What they won? Four in a row? Washington? It's not even about the how. It's it's how they're winning, Demarco. That scares yeah. me more than anything. 
I mean, dominant defensive performance week after week after week. That's going to be tough to deal with down the stretch. And Seattle has their work cut out for them this week. No doubt. Absolutely. All right, let's go there next. Let's take a look at the rest of these uh, NFC West games. The Niners are on the brink of elimination as well. And then we'll take a look at the top. Do the Rams really have a path to the two or maybe even the one seed as Green Bay and New Orleans have a, a favorable but but not an easy schedule in their final three weeks? Final segment of Rams All Access is next on 710 ESPN. Rams are out for their third straight win. They're in great position in terms of the NFC West. It's all in front of them. Can they get even higher, though, in the NFC standings? Does not look like they would win a 12-4 and tiebreaker with New Orleans or Green Bay, assuming that the teams that would upset New Orleans and Green Bay are the AFC opponents. Let's take a look at, at their schedules. And, and for New Orleans, it's Kansas City this week, right, guys? And that looks like it's entirely possible, even with Drew Brees on the men and starting to work his way uh, back to practice. And then with Green Bay, it's Tennessee, I think, the strongest remaining opponent left on their schedule. Do you have aspirations for a number two overall or maybe the top seed and a bye in the NFC playoff picture? Or are the Rams playing for the West and the three? I think you always play them for the one seed. Um, and to be honest, if you could finish this season this, this way strong, what we saw from the Saints against the Philadelphia Eagles, a team that they should have wiped the floor with, right? Uh, it shows that you can lose any game. And so as long as they continue to focus on what they have to do and handle their business, I think the Saints, unless Drew Brees comes back in the next couple weeks, and even then he still may be a little bit different to get his bearings right, they're vulnerable. And then uh, the Titans and, and going to going to Green Bay and playing them in that cold, trying to tackle Derrick Henry is going to be tough as well. Yeah, you just need them to lose to one of their NFC opponents, someone like the Vikings or the Bears along the way, because you need that NFC uh, overall record tiebreaker. Uh, let's look around the, the West as well. Eagles are going to the 7-6 and six Cardinals. Cardinals still trying to fight their way into the postseason. And then I think we all expected more from uh, San Francisco and Dallas in the month of December. That game was probably put here in anticipation of it being an NFC playoff preview, maybe even a chance game preview. Now the Niners are on the brink of elimination, and they're sticking with Nick Mullins. How about that at Dallas? Not so bad. Uh, you know, I, I think San Francisco wins that football game, definitely. But I, it's it's a shame that San Francisco is has fallen this far. But, I mean, that's the injury bug. And that's what makes me look at this Rams football team and just wonder and just go, wow. Uh, they've been good, and they've been uh, fortunate enough to stay healthy. Look at the 49ers. They were just in the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I mean – I think if the Rams went out, take it one game at a time and, uh, you know, see what happens in the rest of the league. But definitely take care of your business first. Take care of the Jets. Take care of Seattle and then take care of the Cardinals. And then we'll see what the Saints and the Packers do on their own. But first, take care of your own business. Well, you end on a good note there, and I'm surprised we haven't mentioned it to this point yet. This Sunday against the Jets is a game you not only want to win, but of course you want to prioritize winning healthy. Can you run up the score like the uh, Seattle Seahawks did early enough to get your starters uh, off the field and protected for what figures to be a de facto NFC West championship game. For Marco Farr, from Reese Jones-Drew, I'm JB Long. We will talk to you at uh, 10 a.m. from SoFi Stadium, Week 15, the Jets and the Los Angeles Rams. This has been Rams All Access on 710 ESPN.